Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And the floor is yours. All right. Let's roll in three. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What do we do first, by the way? Should we redo like some of the stuff? Now let's do this episode first, and then we can do do the Raptors stuff quickly okay. after. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Three, two, one. Welcome, everyone, to episode 661 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Taporic, and we have another great episode for you today. We are going to touch on the latest Lakers drama, which, you know, it's January and a LeBron-led team is struggling. I'm shocked that there is Lakers drama. Uh, we will get into the All-Star returns, the first fan returns from All-Star voting. And we will also touch on OKC and whether they need to make an all-in move to become a true title contender this year. Before we get to all of that, a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bios to give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, whoever else podcasts are found on iTunes. Please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. Joining me today is someone who I know is psyched to be talking about LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers and more drama surrounding them. <laughs> Morton Jensen, how's it going? It's going well. Yeah, I, I, I'm totally excited. Always. No, <laughs> but but this this angle of it, I think, is interesting at the very least. So let's get right into it. All right. Well, before we do, we want to give a shout out to new Eric Cap, the official headwear provider of the NBA, NFL and MLB. You can support your favorite team in style by wearing the same caps that the players do. So shop the official headwear and get 15 percent off when you go to new slash the NBA pod. And use code the NBA pod at checkout. That is 15% off your order using promo code the NBA pod. So it's funny, Mort. I woke up, what I guess this was Thursday, and friend of the podcast, Anthony Irwin, was like one of the first tweets I saw. And he was just, it, it was him on the Lakers lounge talking to our other friend, Harrison Fagan. Um, about how he thought Darvin Ham had lost the locker room and there was no coming back from where the Lakers were. And then, like, literally an hour later, Sham Sharania and Jovan Bua of The Athletic have a story saying the Lakers have hit a new nadir in their season, amplifying concerns about the direction of the season from both inside and outside the organization. There is currently a deepening disconnect between Darvin Ham and the Lakers' locker room Six sources with direct <laughs> knowledge of the situation said. Um, they described the disjointedness between the coach and the team has stemmed from the extreme rotation and starting lineup adjustments recently from Ham, 
leading to a fluctuating rhythm for several players across the roster. So, Mort, the Lakers right now are 17 and 18. They are 2 and 8 in their last 10 games. They have lost three straight games. They're only a half game over the Golden State Warriors right now yeah. for the final spot in the play in, and only a game ahead of the Jazz for the number 12 seed in the West. All of this is true despite Anthony Davis has played 33 games. LeBron James has played 32 games. Those guys mm-hmm. have combined to miss only five games this season. Anthony yep. Reeves, or sorry, Austin Reeves, has played in every single game this season. D'Angelo Russell has only missed three games this season. Yeah. Uh, Gabe Vincent has missed a ton of time. He's only played in five games, but you know that the, the three best players on the Lakers have combined to miss five games this season, and they are 17 and 18. So how much of this do you think falls on Darvin Ham? How much of it is roster construction? Like, what's going wrong with the Lakers right now? Well, they can't score, first and foremost. And they can't score efficiently outside of primarily their two stars. I mean, they're 24th in the league in offense. That's just atrocious for a team with championship aspirations. They're top 10 in defense. That's all well and done. Uh, Darvin Ham seems to me to really channel uh, the mindset of how he was as a player, which was always, you know, not a scorer, a defender, you know, hustle guy, someone who would surround himself alongside stars and basically do everything that they didn't do. I mean, hell, just I, I was looking this up the other day because I was curious. Darvin Ham, during his NBA career, he had a season where he was playing like 22 and a half minutes per game. He was averaging five points. Like he was basically that era's PJ Tucker, like just a reluctant <laughs> shooter. And it seems like he sort of copied that over to the Lakers, wanting to instill this very defensive mindset, which, look, I can respect that. That's fine. Like having a, an identity is never a, a bad thing. But he's just gone over the deep end. I mean, that some of the lineups he's trotted out there, which is basically like, almost all defensive lineups with just Mm -hmm. LeBron and AD to take care of stuff. That's just too optimistic, man. Like you're asking a soon to be 40 year old LeBron James and Anthony Davis to, to handle the offense for virtually five players. And then everyone can sit there and say, well, they're starting alongside Torian Prince who's hitting 39% of his. Yeah. Thank you. Torian Prince is averaging under 10 points per game in 31 minutes. I'm not counting him as a score. Stop. And the move, to put Austin Reeves on the bench, the move to put D'Angelo Russell on the bench. Like, okay, fine. You want more offensive balance from the pine. I get that. But you also need to have some sort of balance in your starting lineup, and you just don't. So the rotation is one thing. And you were you're asking me about roster construction. You know, I overall, I like what they did this summer. I was very mm-hmm. complimentary of what they did this summer. But they haven't leaned in to some of their guys. Like I wrote about this at Forbes the other day. Like Christian Wood, for example. I mean, this is a guy who knows how to get points. I think you and I can agree on that. And he's right now doing everything to like appease Starving Ham. Like he's trying to play defense. He's trying to just rebound. He's trying to focus on all the little things, which has me concerned because you need to let Christian Wood be Christian Wood. 
like this is a guy who can step outside and hit threes. He's a guy who can just generally produce a ton of points. You can have him roll to the basket. He'll do damage. Like you need to have that point production coming off your, your bench. You need to have something so you can insert Austin Reeves back in Austin Reeves back into the starting lineup at the very least, if not also change Joe Russell. And then you can sort of flank the second unit with the scoring of wood and then the defense of, yeah, well, when he returns, I guess, Gabe Vincent, Cam Reddish, whatever. My point is they need to find a structure in terms of how they create a rotation. But that's easier said than done right now, Brian, because it seems to me that these guys are just out on Ham, like totally out. So even if Ham comes back and says, okay, guys, okay, let's let's actually tinker a little bit with stuff, they seem to just be out. Thick sources, that's so aggressive. I mean, yeah. the fact that that was even pointed out is kind of like, oh, yeah, we're trying to send a message. We're like mm-hmm. five or six guys on the roster who are throwing his ass into the media mail for one reason, and that is to get a new coach. So I I, I think the ship has sailed on this one. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I'm surprised they're struggling as much as they are because, like you, I also really liked what they did over the offseason. We, yeah. we thought it was one of the better offseasons that any team had throughout the league. I still um, think that. I, I still think that. I mean, we can't we can't blame Gabe Vincent for getting injured. I mean, that's yeah. one thing. Like, it, yeah. it would have been different if he'd been playing. But like, it's it's Darvin Darvin Ham who's mismanaged those signings. Like, let's be real. Yeah, I mean, so they've had ten starting lineups in the first thirty five games of the season. Yeah. Um, the AD LeBron, Torian Prince, Camrish, D'Angelo Russell has played twelve. And that, that's the most used lineup. Then we've got swap out Reddish for Reeves. That lineup has played five games together. Swap out Reeves for Max Christie. That lineup has played five games together. But otherwise, especially lately, it has just been kind of like playing whack-a-mole with who's going to be starting on a night-to-night basis. They tried Jared Vanderbilt for five games, and they pivoted away from him against Miami the other night. Um so I, I agree with you. It does feel like they're just searching for answers at this point, and the Darvin Ham just hasn't found the right combinations of guys that he likes. Mm-hmm. I guess if you were running the Lakers, if you were the head coach of the Lakers, yes, assume everyone's healthy. So that that All puts right. Gabe Vincent back on the table as well. Yeah, who would be in your ideal starting five? It would be Gabe Vincent. Austin Reeves, um, and this is where it becomes difficult because do I try to appease Anthony Davis by just inserting a faux center? Mm-hmm. Because because I want to I want to play him at center, but I sure. also know that he gets disinterested if he starts at that position. So do I do I somehow put in I don't know you know jared vanderbilt and, and and just say to anthony davis oh well he's actually the center you're the four i i don't know but some variation of that um i i do think you can get away if davis james and, and reeves are starting as the primary like three offensive players gabe vincent i also think is able to shoot so he will provide you some offense but I, he's better defensively than he is offensively and then vanderbilt who can just kind of fit his way in there for defensive purposes if but but I will say this with the Lakers specifically, I actually want to not have necessarily one starting lineup I could go to. I would have a little bit of a dynamic 
function there where sometimes I would be able to just swap out Jared Vanderbilt for Rui Hachimura, for example. Um, I, I think you sometimes you just need to fight fire with fire. So if, like, for example, the Lakers go up against the Pacers in a regular season game, I know they beat them uh, in, in the in-season tournament final, but I would probably insert Hachimura or maybe even Christian Wood and just tell them, go nuts. Just shoot to your heart's content because you need to keep up with this team. Um, Torian Prince I would have on the bench because I think you need a two-way guy on the bench and two-way kind of two-ways might be a little bit too complimentary, but <laughs> I, I would like to have him off the bench. I, I would like to have Jangelo Russell off the bench and one of Hachimura and Christian Wood because, again, you need that balance. You need to have not just one guy off the bench who can score. You need to have a couple. Would, would I lose some defense coming off the bench? Maybe. Yes, maybe. But this is the crux of the issue, Brian. They have too many, too many one-way players. Mm-hmm. This, this this team just reeks of you know 2016 Chicago Bulls, where it was a lot of talent, but ev- virtually every player they had outside of Jimmy Butler was like one-way players, always one-way players. And and when you look at this team, you're going, okay, so you have Davis, who's generally like the, the best two-way player on the roster. LeBron depends on the day, right? I mean, look, he's he's a million years old by now. You can't ask him to play defense at a ridiculously high level anymore. You just can't, especially mm-hmm. if you also have him as your primary ball handler and having to score 25 points per game. Like, by the way, where did that go? Remember before the season, it was all about, like, scaling down LeBron's usage in the regular yeah. season? Yeah. Like, Mm-hmm. That didn't happen. So, nope. yeah, I mean, Austin Reeves, much better off- offensive player than he is a defender. Same with Angelo Russell. Gave Vincent a better defender than a scorer. Cam Reddish, better defender than a scorer because he's just not consistent on that in the floor. Hachimura, better offensive player than defender. Christian Wood, the same thing. Vanderbilt, clearly a better defender than a scorer. Like, you just need more two-way alignment. Because you don't have that right now. So you can ask me who I'll put on the floor. I don't think I have the necessary formula, though, whoever I choose to go particularly far. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba. Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So I think what you're saying kind of speaks to the larger issue with the Lakers right now in that like, let's say they fire Darvin Ham. Uh-huh. A, who do they even hire? And B, does that fix anything? It does fix something. Like, so so that that's what I was trying to say before. 
like they shouldn't, I agree with you. They shouldn't be 17 and 18, even if they have a lot of one-way players. I'm just saying that that puts a cap on their ultimate ceiling. They mm-hmm. should still be better under a new coach who understands like balance. They absolutely should. This should be a team that wins like 60% of their games. Now, to your other question, does it fix something for the, like moving forward? No. I mean, in terms of championship equity, I don't think so. And now that you're asking me who should be the next coach, I think it should be Mike Budenholzer. Mm. I think that makes the most sense. I think he's the best guy out there on the market. Apparently, Lakers fans want Doc Rivers, and I am yes. I am very perplexed. Like, why? I, I do, do they? Maybe this is just a thing with Lakers fans because I, I un, unless you're a hardcore NBA fan and a Lakers fan at the same time. It seems like most Lakers fans really don't survey the rest of the league to the same extent. They're very content just like focusing on their own team. So mm-hmm. maybe they're just not aware of how bad Doc was in <laughs> Philadelphia. Not from an X's and O's perspective. Well, he wasn't brilliant there either. But like he would throw guys under the bus after every single game. This was a man who had a very tough time taking responsibility for when he messed up, be that rotations, play calls, whatever. And you want him in the biggest market in the NBA? Good luck. <laughs> yeah, I I'm enjoying seeing Lakers fans call for Doc because right? I had the same reaction the first time I saw it. But hey, if you think that's going to fix anything, by all means, more power to you. Um, yeah, I mean, I I just it's hard to pinpoint like how much firing ham would solve anything like sure let's you know even if you bring in a Budenholzer, is that going to completely turn the season around i don't know i mean honestly like i was well what does that mean what first and foremost what does that mean turn the season around like what what are you trying to to achieve i think you're aiming for at least the top six seed at this point yeah okay and they're four games out of that right now I think they could get there with the right coach. I do think their talent level is high enough that they can get there with the right coach. I could see it. I just don't... I just don't know how much blame to assign to Darvin Ham versus the roster construction versus... I mean, like to your point, the, the volume of one-way players that they have mm-hmm. really... It kind of handicaps them regardless of who's coaching them in the and playoffs again, yes and you know like you are already dealing with good fortune with lebron and ad health wise and both of them are playing very well i mean ad has been phenomenal 25 points 12 and a half rebounds almost three blocks per game shooting 55 percent from the field lebron it was 39 years old is averaging 25 7 and 7 like you can't really ask for much more out of those guys i I mean one of the i guess the the fundamental problem or one of them with the lakers is that you are built on right now this two-star model with those two guys and as good as they've been you might need them to be even better to lift up the rest of the supporting cast which is just frankly an unfair ask out of either of those guys like you unless you're leaning on offense 
If yeah, but you still can't expect you can't expect LeBron James at age thirty nine, as good as he is, and you know, as unprecedentedly good as he is at this age. Right. You can't expect him to be a top five player anymore. If he no, is, no, no. that's I'm not amazing. Saying that. I'm saying, but I'm saying like, I think the Lakers are, or the Lakers are built in a way where they kind of have to have him be a top five player. I don't, oh. I don't think he is anymore, and I don't think he. They should be built that way. Well, that's what I'm saying. You can you can compensate from that by saying, okay, let's lean in on offense. Like if you start your five best offensive players, right, mm-hmm. and you just basically say to LeBron, look, we are going all gunpowder right now. Take a back seat. I would trust LeBron enough that if he got a couple months, not off, but like in a diminished offensive role where mm-hmm. he can just kind of play, make, be very selective with his shots. And then the playoffs roll around. And that's when you ask him to put on that 25, 30 point cap again. Then I think you stand a better chance of at least uh, moving forward in the right direction. But I like, Overall, I agree. He's not a top five player anymore. That's not a knock on him. It's right. quite the contrary because it's impressive that he's still, you know, that we still, that we at age 39 still have to clarify he's not a top five player anymore. The fact that that's right. even a thing, like that's, that's preposterous. Um, yeah, it's just a reality when you've got, you know, Embiid, Jokic, Giannis, Luka, and SGA, all five of whom you could argue are either having their best seasons ever or close to it. It's just like that's I I cannot in good conscience put LeBron above any of those five guys and as you said it's not disrespect to LeBron he's still clearly an all-star caliber player like probably I mean I think clearly an all NBA caliber player it's just there's a, there's a gap between top 5 and where he is and I think that's you know the Lakers have always been built around LeBron as a top five player, AD is top fifteen player, and those two guys plus depth can get us to where we want to go. And it's just I'm not sure that's true anymore. I have a question for you because okay. you and I have talked about like the two star versus three star model for years, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but maybe with the Lakers it's a little bit different, especially given the makeup of that team and like the town and the culture and whatnot. Did they mm-hmm. make a mistake not going after Kyrie Irving? I think it was pretty obvious that LeBron wanted him there. I, mm-hmm. I I I don't I don't even think that's one of the things we should be like that should be, oh, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I no, he, there's no I, I think, yeah. Right. Clearly. I think he even went out in an interview and said he Yeah, did. right. Yeah. Like would that have changed things if you had Kyrie and A D alongside LeBron? With this, with the sheer star power quality of that roster, done something. It's hard to say for Kyrie in particular, just because he can be so unreliable, both in terms mm-hmm. of just his availability, like injury wise, and then otherwise just pure nonsense. But right. that is a good potential seg into, you know, we are we're recording this on Friday, January fifth. In 10 days, I believe, is when both yes. Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura, if I remember correctly, those are, I believe both guys are a January 15th restriction instead of December 15th. So both of those guys can be included in trades starting 10 days from now. Correct. Zach Levine is on the market very clearly. 
Woj has been describing his market as barren. Um, clutch client. Yeah. Like, you know, it, the connections basically form themselves at this point. It's clear mm -hmm. that the Lakers could at least be a possibility for him, although it sounds like the Bulls want Austin Reeves and the Lakers don't want to give Austin Reeves up. So it, it might be a, you know, a non-starter. But do you think someone like a Zach Levine could solve some of or a lot of the issues that the, the Lakers are facing right now? You know, he he's... I think a lot of people would say he's also a one-way player, and it, that's certainly true if we are calling like Austin Reeves and and the rest of the the, the true like one-way players. Like he would just be another name to that list. He's better. He's a better on-ball defender than Reeves is, I think. But that doesn't say much in today's NBA, where off-ball defense and team defense—that's where your primary strengths lie. Um, but if you just set aside defense, man, and if you realize, look, we just need more scoring we need more three-point shooting we need someone who can hit reliably from the three-throw line we need someone who can manufacture shots from the perimeter um yeah yeah i mean i i trust that trio of levine davis and james to do some serious damage and look you can say whatever you want to say about sack levine i will give him this when he says something He's usually very serious about it. Like he tries to follow up on everything he says. He's a hard worker. You never, that's never been a question. And he said on multiple occasions, he likes, he would like to one day play with a dominant big man. And he would also like to play with, you know, LeBron, obviously, who, who in this league hasn't said that by now. Mm -hmm. I think he would be willing to accommodate his game for those two specific players like mm. and then i know some people is well they got nikola vucevic yeah i said dominant big man so <laughs> yeah. there's a difference in, in Anthony davis yeah yeah so i i that's also why i think he's not necessarily a close subject in philly as well because i do think that 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 would be an interesting situation for him and and honestly i think philly would are still considering i i know they said oh, well we'll see I would be shocked if he's still if he if he's not still a name on their bullet board. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think in general, if the price drops, like mm -hmm. if it's true that his market is as barren as what was just saying, and the Bulls on this run that they're on are like, you know what, we're okay, we don't need them, we're, like we're just willing to cut bait and <laughs> right. roll with what we've got. Then yeah, like a, a lot more teams should be interested. I think the lack of interest from Philly and probably a few other teams originally was okay. He's available, but like, are the bulls just going to ask for an astronomical amount that we're not willing to pay? Right. And yeah. And, and like if going to the Lakers, at least if we assume that there's a deal to be had there, I kind of dig it. I kind of dig the, the format there. It depends on who you give up. It's probably Rui and Giancelo and maybe a pick probably something mm -hmm. along those lines mm -hmm. because I don't think you take on the, the D'Lo contract, which was just signed. If you're not getting some level of compensation for that as well. Yeah. And make yeah. no mistake. Levine is, is meant as an upgrade here, like for the Lakers, he's not meant to come in and, and just be a guy like you're not trading Levine for his contract. You're trading for him to be a basketball player. Um, yeah, no, he, I like the setup of having more shooters, especially high volume three point shooters. I also like the idea of someone who can 
consistently. He shouldn't be encouraged to do so all the time, but someone who can create his own jump shot. You can say LeBron can as well. He can, absolutely. But there's a different feeling about it. Like LeBron, you're always going to guard him for the drive first and foremost. He's been a much better shooter this year, granted. Mm-hmm. But in terms of just dribbling himself into jump shot, his his motion is a little awkward. It's always been that way. Like he's not a guy you want to consistently create jump shots for himself. You want him to get into the basket. Levine is much more fluid on the exterior in terms of just creating threes, for example. Like he'll pop in and out of those situations very easily. I don't think there's a single player currently on the Los Angeles Lakers who can so effortlessly create their own three-point looks uh, as Zach Levine can. So you need that aspect to come in. And oh my God, I'm sitting here thinking like empty corner pig and roll between Levine and Anthony Davis with LeBron on the on the weak side. Just kind of, mm-hmm. oof. I mean, there are some extremely interesting wrinkles you can apply to that three-man setup. Assuming, of course, you have a coach who believes in having three of those players on the floor at the same time, which I don't think Darwin Ham necessarily is interested in. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was only half joking earlier when I said, you know, it's just this time of year. But if you've followed LeBron James's career long enough, which all of us have at this point, like this does tend to be the cycle in the regular season. That if a LeBron James team is struggling in late December, early January, it's either we start to hear some coaching hot seat buzz or we start mm-hmm. to hear them agitating to add someone on the trade market. And you know, the good thing about their summer is that they really did give themselves a ton of flexibility. I mean, a lot of these contracts are in you know, the D'Lo is a 17.3, Rui's 15.7, Reeves is 12.0, Gabe Benson 10.5. Like, they have a bunch of those middle-tier contracts that you can e- easily combine to get up to a star. Or right. if you're shopping for, like, a Bojan or a Bogdan Bogdanovich instead, you got plenty of ways to get to that money as well. So they do have avenues to make whatever moves they might consider making at the trade deadline. I would be pretty surprised if they don't take a big swing or at yeah. least try to take a big swing. Cause it, yeah. like, if you've got a 39 year old LeBron on your roster, I mean, the time is now. It's, you know, there, there's no point in stashing picks five years down the line. Cause who knows what, it, you know, you don't have a ton of good young depth outside of Austin Reeves, really. Uh, with all due respect to Jalen Hood, Shafino, and Cam Reddish, and Max Christie, like it, it, it could get very bleak. Yeah. Once LeBron retires, and depending on what happens with AD, so I would imagine the Lakers will continue to probe the market. I would think they're going to make a move mm-hmm. before the deadline. And, you know, I'm morbidly curious what it ends up being. If it is a, a Levine thing, or if they go in another direction. I, I don't think Pascal Siakam makes any sense for them. Nope. So no, you need a shooter. Yeah. You need a shooter. This yeah, is one that. of the worst three point shooting teams in the league. Whoever you get in, even if it's, if it's if a defense guy, that defense guy needs to be able to hit the three. Yeah. So that, that's one I would rule out immediately, but 
I mean, otherwise, it should be a very interesting next few weeks in Los Angeles, which yeah. just tends to be how these things go at this time of year for LeBron mm-hmm. teams. So I'm sure Adam Silver is sending an edible arrangement to LeBron James's door saying thank you for helping drive traffic and ratings to all right. of our shows for the next few weeks. It's funny how Mikhail Bridges solves everything for them. Mikhail Bridges solves everything for a lot of teams. Yeah, it's, he does. It's wild, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. There. I mean, I don't think he becomes available at the deadline, or if he does, it, it wouldn't be for anything other than, like, a monster package. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, if if teams have any sense that he might be available, you yeah. almost have to go all out for him because he his skill set on that contract might be like one of the five best contracts in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And especially if you've got two stars already. I mean it you know I, I keep harking back to this three star model being really, really, really hard to build around in the new CBA. But if you've got a third star who's not on a star contract, who's on a well below max contract, I think that's going to be one of the cheat codes. Yeah, totally agree. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Let's pivot away more. We got uh, beyond the Darvin Ham news yesterday. We also got the first fan returns from All-Star voting. Very exciting before we, stuff. Before we go into that, Brian, I just, yeah. I, I just discovered a tweet and a quote that I need to read to you, which okay. I, it's fantastic. So this is Emmanuel quickly saying, Darko pulled me aside while the game was going on and said, you're not having fun. Have fun. I've never really had a coach do that. <laughs> <laughs> that Cut to actually tamps. completely yeah. checks out. Yeah. yeah. I 100% believe that. Man, uh, that that man is going places. Like when he starts having fun, oh my god! Yeah, yeah, he'll he'll be in the uh, All Star conversation next year, or not? I think be so. Surprised at all? But yeah. not not in there this year. So right now, uh, leading the way, this is fans. Remember, fans count for fifty percent of the vote. NBA oh, players. Oh, it's fifty. Okay, it's fifty. So wow. 
I, I think we can more or less pencil in a couple of these guys, but we'll we'll see how the votes continue to change. But yeah, fans are 50 yeah, yeah. percent. Players are 25 percent and a media panel is 25 percent. So, oh, man, that's too that's too large a percentage to give fans sometimes. But OK. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's nothing. Nothing's overly surprising here so let's just go no no this year fans have done well i'm just saying yeah. generally speaking i mean oh yeah. yeah yeah yeah. so eastern conference guards tyrese halliburton's in first by a mile yep. which yeah. perfect he absolutely right. he's the only one who should be in the starting lineup with a bullet uh, mm-hmm. After that, Damian Lillard's in second place. Trey Young not far behind him. Donovan Mitchell fourth. Tyrese Maxey fifth. Jalen Brunson sixth. Front court, Giannis, leading vote getter of anyone at almost two point two million. Then Joel Embiid, Jason yep. Tatum, gigantic, massive, huge gap between Tatum and Jimmy Butler. Then Jalen Brown, Bam Adebayo. No Julius Randle in the top ten, which I thought you'd be thrilled about. Uh, I am. Yes, Kyle Kuzma comes in at number nine which is shocking because i just how how does yeah. a single wizards player have one hundred seventy thousand votes? no no you, you know the answer you know the answer yeah it's yeah. lakers it, it's it's the residual effect of lakers fans <laughs> yeah uh so western conference front court luca leads everyone steph is not far behind him shea gilgis alexander a clear third place on a tier of his own then James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Anthony Edwards. Uh, Western Conference front court, LeBron leads the way at 2 million votes. Then KD yep. at 1.8 million. Nikola Jokic at 1.6. Anthony Davis is just under a million. Kawhi Leonard rounds out the top five at almost 700,000. So if you had to guess right now, I'd say both front courts seem pretty set in stone. It's going to be Giannis, Embiid, Tatum in the East. LeBron, KD, Jokic in the West. You you could argue, does Kawhi deserve it ahead of KD? Or does AD deserve it ahead of one of these guys? Yeah, maybe. But I, I have no real problem with either the front courts. Right. Back court, I mean, Shea should be in there, but he's not going to beat Luka or Steph in a fan vote. So right. not shocked there. Uh, what do you think of the guards in the East? Well, first and foremost, I don't think DeMar DeRozan is a guard. And for the third year in a row, he's listed as a guard, which is super <laughs> weird. Yeah. Um, no, it, it makes sense. Tyrese Halliburton has just it, – it's kind of surprising. It takes a couple of years for, for players to latch on in, like, the mainstream NBA fan or the casual fans who also yeah. vote. Mm-hmm. And he's just done it quicker than everyone else. I think the league has done a very good job marketing him. I think the, the play in – uh, or yes. not see i keep saying playing in season tournament you need a new name nba for that freaking tournament um yep. the in season tournament also opened a lot of eyeballs i think i mean yeah uh, hopefully not open their eyeballs you know what i mean um yes. and and oh. it's it's totally deserving that he's in there with 1.4 i i yeah he's he's on track i believe to have a thousand assists on the year, which would be the first time since 94, 95. So sure. like, yeah, it's, out. and he's exciting. He's like a high volume scorer. He's got an attitude. Like, yeah, absolutely. Makes sense that he's there. Um, and in terms of like the rest of the guards, Lillard, Young, Mitchell, Maxi, and so on, like, yeah, if, I would, I would have Maxi higher because I think he's played better. And like, 
yeah, I, I'm not really surprised at anything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was never going to beat Dame in a fan vote, but... No, I, no. I, I'm surprised there's, like, as much of a gap as there is between him, Trey, and Donovan Mitchell. That's Maxi, And Brunson, mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah. It's it's tough, man. I mean, you, I really... Like, all six of those guys, frankly, should be in. Like, I'd be cool... If the All Star Game is just those six, and then, God, I mean, Jalen Brown's. I was gonna just say take the top six vote getters in Eastern backcourt and Eastern frontcourt. Uh, I mean, Jalen Brown. I guess they're gonna get two just because of team success. But like Jalen Brown is not having a. No, he's not. He's not having particularly All Star no. caliber season. No, no, no. Oh. Yeah, but he is he is fifth on the ballot right now. Yeah, I mean he's he had worse numbers two years ago. Did not make the All Star game. Yeah, it, it'd be weird if now when competition is even stiffer and he's diminished that he gets a, a plug in. I actually think it should be Derek White over Jalen Brown as well. If you're yeah, if you well, want you're going to run into the, I I think. I mean, the fact they're breaking it up in guards and front court makes me think that this is true. That the new CBA I know got rid of positions for all NBA. I do not believe it did for all star. So we're still going to run into the same problem where yeah, that's true. Yeah, you can have two true. guard. It's two guards, three front court starters, two guards, three front court uh, reserves, and then two wild cards. So at most we can have six guards. Yeah, and I mean, right. I guess that's they, a good they should point, be locked I, in. Yeah, I know people have been trying to make a Derek White all-star conversation, mm-hmm. uh, which, yeah, he's been playing really well, but who among Halliburton, Lillard, Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell, Tyrese Maxey, and Jalen Brunson are you taking Derek White over? Yeah, you're right. Like if, if it's broken down that way, it should be actually the top six listed guards right now or backcourt players like Halliburton, Lillard, Young, Mitchell, Maxey, and Brunson, right? That's... Yeah. Yeah, that seems fair. I mean, unless, oh my God, unless you want to go and take Trey out because they haven't had the results. But yeah, that would also be tough. I think Trey has played much better over the past 20, 25 games, something along those lines. So I I wouldn't necessarily be in in favor of that. I mean, the guy is averaging 28 and 11 assists. Like, come on. Yeah. So, um, that that is definitely tough. By the way, remember when we talked about like Brunson and Trey Young, and we were asking like which team got better if they made that trade, like the direct mm-hmm. trade. And then Josh Eberle actually did the poll on Twitter that we talked about. Jalen Brunson won, man. Did, did he? you see that? Yeah, I did not. Yeah. Wow. Like basically, I mean, what he was asking was which team gets better, and they at like Atlanta. The fans were like, Atlanta gets better if you made that trade. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Josh, Josh had some ball knowers who follow him. Yeah. That's good to that was, see. It was interesting at least, right? I mean, I was, I was, I'm still like, I can still flip back and forth on it, but I thought that yeah. was interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I guess now I'm looking at it. So we'll have, yeah. Giannis Embiid Tatum. I assume Jimmy is in. I'm assuming Bam is in. 
who would you? I guess Kristaps? Like, who is going to be the sixth front court guy? Yeah. Paolo? Uh... Is there, I guess, is it Randall? It's going to be Randall. Shut your mouth. Um, it's going to be Randall, right? Who am I forgetting? Not really forgetting anyone because the East low key when it comes to like front court players. Uh, oh, no, I'm free. I know who. Scotty Barnes. Yeah, for a 14 and 20 team. Well, it's Trey can come in. So can yeah, Scotty. Trey's in. Yeah, it uh, should be Scotty. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it probably should. 21, 9, 6, 1.5, 1 1.5, 38% from 3. Okay. I, yeah, I hear you. That's fine. What, he's not even in. What is what the hell? Where like Canadians? Where yeah. where you at? They they were up until about a week ago. They were too depressed about basketball to participate in anything NBA yeah. related this year. I think they're back now, but understandably, they had no interest in basketball for the first two months of the season. Right. Yeah, but still, like looking over that list of names, I'm not like super impressed. <laughs> Yeah. Like, no, I mean, now that I think, yeah, like the voting, to be clear, only affects the first, uh, for, like the starters. The coaches mm -hmm. select the reserves so they don't have to abide by these voting totals. I mean, man, that's like, it's a good point. Like, I don't know if Jalen Brown's going to be an all star this year. Yeah. I, I would definitely take Scotty Barnes over him. In terms of all star, yeah, absolutely. I think you take Randall over him too. You're gonna hate it. No, I'm gonna. <laughs> well, I hate it because the the Knicks are 19 and 15. Yeah. Like I think it's hard to justify. I don't think the the quality, the difference in quality between the two is so great that that. Like okay, look, Randall is hitting 29 on threes first and foremost. He had just an abysmal start to the year. Mm -hmm. I still don't think he is even close as a defender as Jalen Brown is. Like, and he'll shoot you out of games too. Like he hasn't done recently, and good on him. I, I want to see this continue, but mm -hmm. that, that's probably a bridge too far for me, especially when you're like, what is it, the league's best team right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The record, you're right. I mean, record's gonna be the the main reason. If if yeah. Jalen Brown gets it, that's why. But. Man, I. I mean, but you're yes. right. I am gonna hate Julius Randle. You know, getting an All Star nod again. I am. I am yeah. very confused as to all the accolades that the NBA seems to continue wanting to throw at him. Um, but fair enough. I'm just trying to think. Like, there's no one. No one on Detroit, Charlotte, Washington is even sniffing All Star. No forwards on the Bulls, unless you put Demar Derozan as a forward, no, no, which no, is no. fair. Uh, yeah, but no even one so, Sixers, no. Mikhail, not for the Nets, Bucks, no. like not Middleton, not Lopez, Pacers, mm -hmm. not Miles Turner, Cavs. Jared Allen has been playing sensationally lately with Evan yeah, Mobley out, but he has been really good. But it's just, is it, is it too little too late? Yeah, I don't think I, I would be surprised if he got a nod over Jalen Brown, Scotty Barnes, etc., or Julius Randle, right. Miami, we got the two guys in. Orlando, I guess Paolo could be interesting. By the way, just, just to bring our listeners up to speed on, on Jared Allen, over his past nine games, 19 points, 13 rebounds, four and a half assists per game. 
Yeah, didn't he? he had a 24 and 23 game recently, didn't he? He did, yes. Yep, yep, yep. He's just on the glass recently. He, he's he been just outrageous. Yeah. Very good news for Cleveland if they do decide to make some bigger changes and blow things up. Like Jared mm-hmm. Allen already should have been a highly sought-after big man, but has really juiced his trade value, I would imagine, with this stint without without Evan Mobley next to him. You're asking about Ben Caro. Yeah. Like, I'm not against it. I do think he's made legit progress in this game. Like, he's a much better shooter this year, much more reliable. Feels like he's just more in control, playing more at his own pace. Looking over his numbers now as well, he's also increased his scoring average. Assists are up. And he's on a spree over the past five. Like, he's been really good. If he can carry that momentum into February, yeah, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. And and I do think it's fair to reward Orlando for, mm-hmm. you know, their, their start to the season. I think it's the best way to say it because, it, like, their last 10 games could have been prettier. Could have been prettier. Um, let's see what – actually, 11 games. They're They're – Three and eight, it seems like over their past eleven. Yeah, they've been they've hit a rough stretch of the schedule. Yeah, yeah, they they they're not back to norm. I think that's no. too harsh. But like they're yeah. they're they're showing us who they are in terms of they're going to be a young team that can beat the weaker ones. Yeah, and then will when they go into a tough stretch, that's when things get difficult. So yeah, like. I think it's fair to put one guy from that team on there. Paolo, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, I mean, I can see a lot of belly aching from Boston if they only get one all-star and Miami gets two or Philly gets two or New York gets two. But I also think that speaks to, you know, Boston is so top six centric, but it's really Tatum is the clear number one. And then two through six are not interchangeable, but you, you know, you're not counting on Jason or Jalen Brown as the clear number two every night. Whereas like the Knicks are now, especially are so clearly riding Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson every night, or the Sixers are so clearly, I mean, the production gap between Embiid, Maxi, and everyone else on the roster is enormous. And you just don't see that as much uh, in Boston especially thanks to Kristaps Porzingis and as well as Derek White is playing. So, yeah. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. There, there are, Look, there are a lot of good choices here. I mean, man, you're going to... You know, shout out to everyone who's going to be doing a all-star snubs list for either starters or the whole game because you're going to have a lot of material to work with here. I mean, my God, Shea Gilgis Alexander probably not starting the all-star game despite averaging what thirty-one six and five or whatever. Like, it's just 
the NBA is at such an outrageous point. With I mean, he the, should though. I it's yeah. like I would have him over Steph. It, it should be Luca and Shea in the backcourt. I mean, it should be positionless, and we should just have the three: Luca, Steph, Shea, Jokic, and then take your pick between LeBron and KD. And it's going to be LeBron because that's yeah. just how this works. Well, I mean, really, it should be Wemby because if we're going for fun. Sure. Which is supposed to be the All Star Weekend. That that yeah. would be. As long as he is in the dunk contest, I don't care. <laughs> Actually, can I just say it should be Shangun and Wemby at the same time? That would be fun in the dunk contest, or no, 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 no. In the All Star, no, 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 no. Oh, okay. <laughs> that would be fun if you just went like all fun. Yeah, like you, you should just have the craziest passers and finishers in there. Like hands yeah, down. yeah, maybe. Uh... Shangun could learn from Jokic's apathy firsthand. It'd be nice. Right. <laughs> By the way, I before we go into like dunk contest or whatnot, which I'm kind of surprised you go you're going there. Can we talk about like Anthony Edwards having less than three hundred thousand votes? Yeah. Like I know the NBA is really trying to like turn him into like the next face of the league. Fans are not taking it. Like. I think there a lot of people are respecting what he's doing out there, but he does not seem to me as a guy who has at least not yet captured the larger imagination. Yeah, I mean, I think these all-star results are always like a good wake-up call because all of us are so knee-deep in this stuff mm-hmm. that we don't have an appreciation for just what casual fans do or don't like or who has broken through. So like, you know, yes. to your point about Halliburton earlier, it's really cool to see Tyrese Halliburton leading all Eastern conference, all-star guards ahead right. of Damian Lillard and Trey Young and Donovan Mitchell is head of like guys who have established name brands, Tyrese Halliburton, like the fact he's there, either Pacers fans are really good at voting or, he has broken through the national consciousness in a way that you're right. It does not seem Anthony Edwards is there quite yet. Right. You know, you thought the playoffs last year would be a coming out party and they were team USA was, but they didn't have the success that you want them to have. So that I think probably affected uh, some of that hype. He'll get there. I'm, I'm fairly certain he's going to get there. And, you know, you've got some of these, you don't, you don't want to read too much into all-star votes because, like, Clay Thompson has 183,000 all-star votes. Yeah. So with all due respect to Clay Thompson, he should not be anywhere near the all-star game. No, no, year. no. I, I just think it's interesting because, like, the league has tried to put him, like, front and center. This was yeah, a guy yeah. who was billed also, like, uh, as, as the face of Team USA last summer, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So it's just surprising to me to see, oh, under 300,000. Maybe it's also because he lately he's had some issues off the court as well, mm-hmm. which hasn't really gone over too well for a lot of people, understandably so. Look them <laughs> up at your own peril. Um, maybe that also... Yeah. Oh, that was a lot of stuff there. I just yeah. thought it was interesting because you're right. It, it, it's a really good point. Like, you and I who are, how do you say, in the thick of things and, mm-hmm. you know, do this professionally, like, you and I can have a conversation of, wow, do what breathe? Played really well right, for Pacers, right, right. and like I had a conversation. And the reason I'm bringing it up, I had a conversation with someone I know about the Blazers, and I was saying, "Well, you know, Reese looks like someone who can actually do something." And the person I was speaking to, who's actually a Blazers fan, 
went, who? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just an NBA creative player. Like, I, yeah. It's like, like Dwap Reese? Uh, I was like, he's played like, <laughs> he's played like vast majority of your games. Yeah, like meaningful minutes. A rotation player? Right. Nope. This, is, this isn't even like Kenneth Lofton hype. This is the yeah. guy who's actually yeah, playing. Right? Yeah. No, but it's it's like it's and sometimes and that was actually like interesting to me as well. It wasn't like ha ha funny. It was like, oh, okay, fair enough. I need to like be a little bit more considerate. So sometimes when we talk about players, even though whether it's on my show or if it's here, like sometimes maybe just preface who this player is. Like, right? Yeah, yeah. You can't you can't assume, especially when talking to people who don't follow the league on a day-to-day basis that they know all of these guys, but it, it is a good point about Anthony Edwards. And I mean, I'm sure, you know, the fun part of these all-star votes is like, once this first return comes out, sometimes that kicks some fans into overdrive and then they start mm-hmm. voting like mad. So maybe, maybe Timberwolves fans will see the underwhelming returns for him so right. far. And we'll, we'll, we'll get those numbers up. I will clamor, by the way, just so you're ready for it. I will. I want Victor in the All Star game. I am going Shocking. to. Yeah, no. I, I <laughs> he, look. He's just because. Here's the thing. Remember when back in the day, Ben freaking Wallace would start All Star games. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't because of his offense, man. Yeah. So well, same with if, Gobert. Every time Gobert got selected, like he was always yeah, <laughs> such exactly. a low pick in the draft because it's like you're not made for this game, right? And like I realize he plays for a crappy team. Yeah. I'm just not putting that at his feet. I mean, the guy is averaging 19 and 10 while playing, frankly, top five defense like in, in the NBA. And people will be like, top five defense. Like, I mean, the Spurs are a bad defensive team. Look at who he's playing with. I <laughs> like I want to give him this experience just to see a smile on his freaking face. Yeah, he deserves just, this. Just to get, yeah. to get back, get a break. I want him to experience what it's like to play with good players. Yeah. Well, then then we're going to get a Wemby trade request. You don't want that. We already got the, he's unhappy with his handling of minutes, blah, blah, blah. Nah, okay. So that that isn't like him yeah, being that unhappy. That's him just finding the situation frustrating. Look, yeah. and, and I will say this. There are a lot of people who think that Pop somehow is like, oh, he and Wemby are like maybe clash. No. Pop like if you watch those games, man, he is so disgusted when teammates of of Wemby miss him, like right underneath the basket or <laughs> open. Like, oh, he's like he's stomping around. He is pissed. I I yeah. think he and and Wemby are totally fine. It's just a matter of they're losing. They're losing a lot, and that has to sting. I mean, this was a guy who made it all the way to the finals in in the French league last year. So I mean. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think it's rough. But I, I want I want him to play with actual good players. I want him to experience what Chet Holmgren is experiencing every single night. Yeah, I just need him to have that feeling once. <laughs> once that, oh my God, NBA players around me are actually capable? What the yeah. hell is this? It would just be fun to see some of the passers in the NBA as well, like getting to feel him out and be like, how high can I throw this? Yeah. But- you can still reach it, and no one else can. Luca is going to experiment with that. Like if he right. made the if if Wemby made the All Star team, he and Luca would be so 
hilariously fun to watch because he, you know Luca is going to actually test that out. Like you were making a joke, <laughs> Luca is literally going to throw it to the top of the backboard and yeah. just like point after at, at him afterwards. <laughs> Be like a dog, but go fetch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, could you imagine if Dallas had won the lottery there and it would have been uh, those two? Oh. Yeah. Like we wouldn't have had a Holmgren Wembanyama like Roy no. debate. Sorry, no, no, we wouldn't. No, 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 no. Yeah, I think it's going to be an uphill battle. I think, unfortunately, for Wemby to make it as a rookie, just because there's there are I enough eat other guys. uphill battles for breakfast, Brian. Yeah, I, I'm saying. I mean, I think front court, LeBron, KD, Jokic, AD, Kawhi, assuming health, are locked in. There is an open spot beyond that. But, I mean, the the leading vote getters were Paul George, Shangun, Wembenyama, Holmgren, right. Towns. But it, you know, West could follow in the East, where it's like six guards and then only six front court players, because you got Luca, Curry, SGA, Harden, Kyrie, Anthony Edwards, De'Aaron Fox. John Morant's missed too much time. I don't think he has a chance yeah. of getting in. But Fox. Well, we'll see if LeBron should. is even going to be on in the Western Conference. By the way, <laughs> that's right. Because apparently, Bill Simmons has had a trade idea, which I should we should never give him a platform, but. Oh my god! He he's already got a much bigger platform than I know. We're, we're doing, but nothing. I'm just I'm not going to enhance it. I really yeah. because he, he oh he used to be so good. Like LeBron and Gabe Vincent to the Miami for Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, Nikola Jovic, and a first round draft pick apparently. Oh, and one first round draft pick. <laughs> wow! So even less than what they were going to give up for. Damian Lillard? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Well, don't let Miami fans see it because they're going to be. (laughs) Miami fans are going to be like, are we really going to include Nikola Jovic? This is going to be January 6th all over again. My God. The fact that Jaime Hakez is not even involved in this is just. No, it's too good. Untouchable. (laughs) It's the new Terrence man. Yeah. That would be funny though. Like I wouldn't even hate a LeBron return to Miami. Like LeBron and Jimmy Butler would be hella fun. Yeah. I would yeah. love that. Those two guys, that would be oh my god. I would tune in. I would absolutely tune in. I did like completely jokingly when all this LeBron stuff came out yesterday, like make a joke about the Sixers getting him I instead saw. of Siakam, and yeah, people took it way too seriously. Yeah, <laughs> the Lakers are not trading LeBron James. End of conversation. Moving on. No, you 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 have this rare ability when you make tweets. Like you will say something that I can at least identify immediately as being fictitious, right? And then you have a, a good solid like five hundred people just, what the <laughs> hell are you talking about, you insane person? And you're. Yeah. Your mentions will be a tire fire to the point where you'll even not even notice when I tweet at you because your your notifications are just updating constantly. It's fantastic. Yeah, I just I, I'm like the Joker. I tweet it and then I walk away and watch the hospital blow up behind me. <laughs> All right, you say, let's you say that with your when your when your wife. Yeah, is a that's, that's right. That's not her hospital. Just a hospital. <laughs> Uh, All right, let's wrap up with OKC more because they have been a topic of conversation as of late, mostly because they have been so freaking good that they are, 
know, at, coming into the season, they basically said they were ahead of schedule last year and they expected some regression and that's okay. And they weren't in a hurry to make this all in move because, you know, Sam Presti said, like, we need to finish our breakfast before we do that. Yeah. OKC was 11 and 6 on November 28th. They are 23 and 10 now. They had won eight of their past nine. They had what was effectively a schedule loss uh, to Atlanta, second half of back-to-back and third game in a four-day stretch on Wednesday. But still, I mean, they were getting clobbered early and still made it 141-138. Like, they're still too proud to just get blown out like they absolutely should in in a night like that. But beat Boston at home on Mm -hmm. Tuesday. Blew out Denver on the road last Friday, blew out Minnesota the day after Christmas, blew out the Clippers the five days before the Minnesota game, beat Denver on the road again in the middle of December. So they have racked up some notable wins against very good teams lately. They are now, at the time of recording, they are second in the West. Uh a game behind the Minnesota Timberwolves for the best record in the West. I hate when they do that. Like they're, te- they're second in the West, but Denver is somehow closer to Minnesota, but the winning percentage the whatever they're, they have one of the best records in the West. Correct. So more, do you think they should now like, have they finished their breakfast? Have they arrived as the yes. contender? Yes. And if so, like, should they be feeling pressure to make the type of all-in move? And all-in is in quotes here because mm-hmm. they have fifteen, as many as 15 first-round picks and 22 second-round picks over the next seven years. So there is no such right, thing right. as an all-in move for them. They could make four all-in moves, frankly. Yes. And still have assets left. But, you know, should they be seeking a Zach Levine, a Pascal Siakam? Like, do they need to swing no. on another star before the trade deadline, or if you were Sam Presti, would you No, obviously they should at least like see what opportunities are available to them, Mm -hmm. but should they, should they be more opportunistic? Should they still feel like if we don't make this big splash at the trade deadline, it's okay. I, I don't think they should feel pressure. I don't think they should go for Levine or Siakam who are inching in on 30. Mm -hmm. I do think, however, they should be, making a move. I, I understand everyone still wants to preach patience, but you know what? I've seen that movie too many times where teams preach patience and then it just, they end up with not having enough. So mm-hmm. I just don't want to risk that for the Oklahoma city thunder. They have too many fantastic trade assets. There, there's so much talent in today's league and especially talent that you can get right now. I keep coming back to the trades that I pitched on this podcast before, because I think they make a lot of sense. And for those who don't remember that, it was specifically for Laurie Markkinen and for Anthony Simons. Um, Mm -hmm. Those are the two who I still feel would make a lot of sense for this team, not tomorrow, not in two years, but right now. They need shooting. They need guys who can actually come in and, and spread the floor. They can do this. They can also perform. Like, yes, you would have to, everyone would have to sacrifice. So before making these moves, I mean, 
you can engage in trade conversations. Sometimes a team gets uh, like the go-ahead for the incumbent team to speak with a player through an agent or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. I would I would basically do my homework if I'm Sam Presti and say, look, Anthony Simons, Laurie Markinen, I'm interested in you guys. And I need to know if you come on board here, we'll also have our own guys sacrifice. But can we go into this as a five-man unit where the main there, there isn't a main guy? Like where mm-hmm. sure, mm-hmm. Shea is there, but it's it's about getting the best shot. Like it, and the reason I singled out Markinen and Simons is because I think those two guys would actually be willing to do that. Markinen, yes, I, I've, I look, I've, 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 uh, how, I've watched him for years. I've seen him in interviews. I've like, it's pretty clear how he's wired. Despite him averaging 20, 23, 25 points per game, he is he is willing to take a step back and and be not a complimentary player, but he is willing to play within a good scheme as long as you're winning. Like that mm-hmm. is, he is. Simons too, like he's been very frustrated by all the losing in Portland. I, he's been, he's been vocal about that. I think for him, he would love to have an opportunity to come in and, and kind of play in a role that's more or less written for him to be a floor spacer, to be opportunistic, to not force anything because that guy can get up shots and he can get up quality looks in a hurry. Imagine the the, the Thunder just running fast breaks and him filling like the, the three-point lanes and just gunning from outside. It, it will work. I think that is the, those are the two names that I would go after. I wouldn't go after Levine, Siakam, those type of guys. I, I would absolutely go in and look at some shooters, some size in marketing at the very least. And I would round out that starting lineup. I, I really, and I would do it now because if you'd get those two players in, and let's not pretend like you can't get both of them with the trade assets that they have. Right. You're probably going to win the championship this year. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not, I, it's Holmgren, Markinen, Jalen Williams, Anthony Simons, Shea Gillis Alexander as a starting lineup. That's the best starting lineup in the NBA. You're still going to have some role players that you have currently who are not going to be involved in those trades because you're not going to send out everything. The vast majority of you're going to send out are picks and matchable contacts, uh, contracts. Mm-hmm. So it's like Lou Dort probably won't be there anymore. Josh Giddy won't be there anymore. Kentridge Williams might not be there anymore, although I imagine the Thunder would try to retain him. But like, I'm just sitting there going, okay, like if they lose Dort and lose Giddy, yeah, sure. Those are yeah, big part. Yeah, but it'd be fine. If you, you'd be fine. So, yeah. if you have, what is that whole rule? Not rule, but like, um, uh, Maury's five, 5% rule, right? If you have yeah, more if you, than, yeah, if, yeah. if your title odds are above 5%, it's time to go all in. And right, right. now, the Thunder are close to that. Uh, they were a plus, I'm going to pull them up. They were plus 2,300 earlier in the week. Yeah, still plus 2,300 to win the title. So eight teams above them, but right near that 5% mark. Right. Man, I you do it now. And look, even if you don't win the title this year, then you go into training camp and you have a full training camp 
with those five players, you're still going to have some type of draft picks because you still have them. You still have more left. Right. I mean, you're not going to lose out on everyone. You're not, you're still going to be able to field a team. You're still going to be able to field depth, Like you're not going to miss out on that. So if you can have that entire starting five and you can still round it out, go for it. I, I realize the Sam Price is like, yeah, we realize what we have, but slow your roll. I'm not going to slow my roll. I love what he said. I, I actually just disagree a little bit with the, with the like mindset of it. You're right there, man. You're second in the West. You are beating good teams in the regular season. Round it out. Finish the job. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious if his thinking has changed at all over these past 30 games. Because this, again, that was those quotes were before the season, and it mm-hmm. makes sense why you would feel that way before the season. But now having seen... Chet hit the ground run, running and even supplanting Wemby as the rookie of the year favorite, despite you know the generational hype that Wemby came in the league with and seeing Shea level up again and become a legitimate MVP candidate this year, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Like Jalen Williams taking another leap that you know, going down the line. There's a lot of great stuff going on in OKC. Um so I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's more amenable to those types of deals than he might have been two months ago. But I agree with you. I, I still don't think he feels pressure. I don't think he's, he's not going to go rush in and like overpay for Zach Levine just because that's the one star available right now. Yeah. Nor should he. I agree. Um, I think they're just in such an interesting spot because like they 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 shouldn't be here basically they they should still be a year or two away and so they've just bought themselves additional time because mm-hmm. they don't have i mean Holmgren is signed on his rookie deal assuming they pick up the fourth year option yeah. which i think is a fair assumption <laughs> both him and hmm, both him, i wonder <laughs> right both him and jalen williams are signed through 25 26 Shea Gilgis yeah. Alexander is only on the second year of this one seven hundred or one hundred seventy nine point three million dollar max contract, which is still a twenty five percent max, not thirty, not thirty five. Like they have financial yeah. flexibility for at least the next two and a half years, and then when Chet and Jalen Williams come off their rookie deals in twenty six, that's when it starts to get tougher to. You know, I'll do you one better. Court. I'll do yeah. you one better. Laurie Markkinen is 12.7% of the cap this year, 12.7% of the cap next year. Like you can just guarantee the 24, 25 year. Then you can let him hit unrestricted free agency in 25 where you have his bird rights. You can yep. just re-sign him by then. Like 25 is the big year. Then you look at Anthony Simons, 17.7% of the cap this year. 18.2% next year because but that's building on the assumption that the that the cap only increases by 4.4%, which is the conservative mm-hmm. number. It's not, it's going to increase by more than that. So that percentage is going to drop. And then in mm-hmm. 25, 26, he's still just 17.7%. He's not going to be a free agent until 2026, two years from now, two and a half years from now. Like this is why I think this could work. 
you wouldn't yeah. have to go deep into like the second apron or anything here with those with those contracts, at least not immediately down the line. Hell yes, you would. But if you have two championship by then, you would also have <laughs> so much more money coming in off advertisement and deals and whatnot. Like, because here's here's this funny little thing that I, I'm kind of surprised that a lot of NBA franchises seem to forget. Winning championships earn you money. It can print, print you money. you money. Yeah. Like if they stand there in 2025 or 2026 and they have two rings or even just one ring by then, mm-hmm. but they're competitive and they're like in the late state, like in the, in the West finals every year, whatever. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Like that, then the economics change and you can afford those guys. Yeah. I, I want to, I noticed when you were talking about Markin and, and uh, Simons in particular, but Mikhail Bridges is another guy who fits this mold. Like, yes. are you deliberately looking for guys, star caliber guys on sub max contracts, or was that just coincidence? Uh, with Markinen, it was not a coincidence. It was a coincidence with with Simons. Um, okay. But with Markinen, I was kind of looking at who can you get who isn't like in the Pascal Siakam price range, which is like yeah. late thirties. And also who's younger than him, like who is on their second contract, who is still young enough to be part of the core. And then basically Markinen was the one guy that's sort of like, oh yeah, he fits, he kind of checks all the boxes. One, he can mm-hmm. shoot. Shooting was actually my first thing, like looking it over, shooting. Like shooting, okay, you're going to be on the second contract because you want to have some level of security there. Um, and you want to be young enough to still be a part of the rotation long term. Basically, it was only marketing that kind of fit that mold in terms of like the power for position, which what was I was looking for. With yeah. Simons, that was kind of just a coincidence. I was thinking, who can get them up? And well, uh, nobody gets three point shots up better than Anthony Simons, almost. So, um, and and then him just being young fits that roster. And he signed a deal that was initially looked at as a little bit expensive, but mm-hmm. it's aged tremendously. So yeah, far, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the idea of those two guys and Mikhail. I mean, I will say mm-hmm. uh, Nate Jones of Goodwin Sports uh, has been making this point a lot on Twitter lately about OKC, where you know, he's skeptical that they ever take a swing for a third guy or a fourth guy, because he's like, they've already got their three in place with Shea, Chet, and Jalen Williams. Right. And w- again, once those guys come off their rookie deals it's going to be difficult. I mean, I think it's going to be difficult in the new CBA to build around three max guys long-term. I think OKC might be the exception to that rule with the volume of draft picks that they have because they're going to have the ability to continually replenish their supporting cast in a way that other teams are not. But still, you don't want to surround, especially once, you know, OKC's guys are a couple of years older and like they really are in their win now window. You're still not trying to you know, round out your rotation with like three rookies every year. So, right. you know, those picks, OKC can use them to trade for some older players when the time comes. They, you know, I'd be surprised if there's frankly no way that all 37 of their draft picks over the next seven years are going to wear an OKC uniform. So they, these moves are coming at some point. Right. I just, because they don't have these guys or because they do have these guys on their rookie deals for another couple of years and don't have this financial pressure of like, all right, we have 
X amount of cap space this summer, but it's going to be gone after this year. They're not at that point of the rebuild yet. So they, I, I just don't think they should be in any hurry to just plug holes with whichever star comes out first. I think they should be opportunistic. And if a Mikhail hits the market, if Lori hits the market, you know, make those calls, see what it would take to get those guys. But like you're otherwise aiming even higher. You're aiming for a Devin Booker or a Doncic, God forbid. I mean, like I see. That's the thing. You want someone who's also in the age bracket who wants to incorporate himself into a different team. Booker, I think, is very married to the idea of the Phoenix Suns of being. Yeah, I can see that. That guy there. Like yeah. I, I, I think you have you have to look at guys who wants to be part of something bigger, who has that hunger. I'm not saying Devin Booker doesn't have hunger, but I think he has a specific hunger for winning in Phoenix. Like, do do you think Anthony Simons, after years of losing Portland, is as dedicated to that franchise? I maybe <laughs> he is. Maybe I'm wrong. But my my ultimate point here is I don't think you have to wait on anyone to get available when you have these type of trade offers, trade packages to offer. I, I think Sam Presti before the deadline should call up Utah and go, yeah, so I, I heard you want to keep marketing. That's cool. Um, t- my, my apologies for the cliche, but I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. Yeah. And yeah. then, oh, okay. And then the same with Portland. Look, Sam Presti right now, whether we want to admit it or not, is the king in the NBA because he can offer everything. He can yeah. get whatever the F he wants. Like, hell, if you want to be even more aggressive, you could go for Shaden Sharp instead of Anthony Simons. Mm. Yeah. I mean, more just like, saying. Oh, you know it would be amazing if they can get him? Tell me. Trey Murphy. I don't see why not. Yeah, I mean, they've got... I mean, if, if you want to go that route and you want to avoid, like, the next contract up, you could go for Shaden Sharp and Trey Murphy if you wanted to. Yeah. You have yeah, tra- I mean, you have Shaden yeah, Sharp right. under rookie contract for the next two years. Trey is coming up. Like he's he's not going to be there f- yeah. for that much longer. I think this, this he's going to be extension year, eligible. Yeah. yeah, he's going to be extension eligible after this year. But you could get both of those guys. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, you have to. Yeah, I don't think the Pelicans are shopping the uh, Trey. Murphy. Doesn't matter, I, frankly. Yeah, well, I mean, it does to some extent. Like if they're not willing to move him. No, you can make a guy. Oh, you forced him to, Bri. Could you imagine? And then you leak afterwards what you offered. Yeah. Could you well, imagine? Like, <laughs> I'm offering you five first round draft picks for Trey Murphy. Yeah. Like, if the Pelicans say no to that and that hits the media, okay. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> that could be the leverage from Sam Pretzi. I'm going to give you these giant offers, and if you don't take it, I'm going to leak yeah. how dumb you are in the media. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I'm, I mean, I'm not he, – he shouldn't say that, but, like, sure. look, if you refuse deals that are just so preposterously overpriced, mm-hmm. then you also deserve to get being called out in, in yeah. the media. I mean – well, I'm just should- saying, you can get who you want. I mean, that's what should scare, going back to your point about just OKC owning the NBA, 
you know, we're hearing all this stuff after the OG and Anobi trade of like, oh, well, the Knicks didn't trade any first round picks. So they still have all their first round picks. They have Evan Fournier. Like they're going star hunting. It's like, that's great. But if they're going star hunting for the same guy that OKC is, they are drawing dead. And that's true for any team in the NBA. Like if, if OKC identifies the guy they want and it's your guy, OKC is very likely to get him because they can outbid you no matter who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I just think that the OKC should not, not be in a passive pattern here. I think, yeah. and I think that's the fear I have when everyone's like, oh, let's be reasonable. Let's wait. Let's, let's, let's be patient about this. Why? Why? You, you can, you can literally force the issue. you you are in many ways because of the draft capital that you have. And I hate using this comparison, but like, look at how the real world works. Elon Musk's wanted Twitter at that point in time. Nobody really wanted him to have Twitter. Then he kept throwing money at it. I was like, oh, okay. You know what? <laughs> Sam Presti is the billionaire in the room and full of millionaires right now. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't yeah. matter if guys are available or not. It doesn't matter. Like if, if you want to take that, oh, ho, hum, like we'll see if someone becomes available. No, motherfucker, make them available. Let's just hope Sam Presti does a better job with the Thunder than Elon Musk has with Twitter. Uh, I'm I'm sure, I, he, but I like. It's just you could bring up every single name in the NBA right now, mm-hmm. and Sam Presti could make an offer that, at the very least, would make opposing general managers go, "Hmm, yeah." Every I mean, single player, especially if he's like. I you know I don't think the Mavericks, no matter how many draft picks you threw at them, would listen to an offer. Even if it was like fifteen first round picks, I still don't think they do it for Luca. But if you do Chet and a bunch of first round picks for Luca, yeah, yeah that, I, I, not yes. that not that that makes sense for either team. No, frankly, no, no, but no, like, no, no. You know, but it's my just point the idea is. Of it. Yeah, not only does OKC also have all of these draft picks, but like if yeah. they were to dip into their players' capital as well, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just outrageous what they can what they can do. But I think that is why I think you know I I would use it as selectively aggressive would be the way. Oh, I that's would, a good term. I like that. Yeah, I like, like that. I, but I, I mean, think. They should absolutely yeah. be shopping around, finding out what these guys cost, et cetera. But like they need yeah. to identify their guys. They I I don't want them to feel the pressure of, oh, we're ahead of schedule. Let's keep building, let's keep building, let's go for whoever the first guy is on the market. It's like you have the as you said, you have the assets to force the issue. So once you identify your guys, yes, that's who I think you should hone in on. Rather than, and that's that. Oh, those were guy my guys. guys. Those were yeah. my guys who I right, want. But right. but look, that's you raise a good point with Trey Murphy. And then hell, I even brought up Shaden Sharp. Like, it it depends on who they think moving forward are the guys. And if they differ from my opinion, that then that's probably a smart thing because Sam <laughs> Presti is much smarter than I am in every aspect of life. I'm presuming, but I totally agree with you that that's the approach. You need to figure out one or two guys. This deadline, who you think, okay, that can turn us into a legitimate championship contender, like above the 5% mm-hmm. this season, then you go for it. And then if you don't win, 
then this summer you take the same approach. Okay. Yep. Who can we get? Who we think is going to turn us into a championship favorite in 2025? Oh, here's this guy. Oh, I'm sorry. You don't want you don't want to trade him? Well, I'm going to send you a text in about five minutes with a different offer, and then he's mine. <laughs> right. So it's, yeah, like, again, just reiterating, building through the draft. Smart. Smart. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're in the Capra seat right now. Like, it is, they're almost too big to fail, but mm-hmm. I don't want to say that because there are still ways that they could trip themselves up over this of course. Next step like this is yeah. this is going to be the most important possible probably the most important step left they have and they could trade for Sion, and it wouldn't work yeah right exactly so that like there are there are still potential pitfalls here that i'm scared for them to hit because they have just been so good so fun and their trajectory is like i mean meteoric at this point that it would make me really sad. I mean, it's a bummer that the KD Russ Harden team never won a title together. I was thinking about this the other day. Like they OKC drafted those guys back to back to back years. Yeah. Drafted three future MVPs in back to back to back years. And they might be better set up better to win a title right now than they ever were back then, just because of all of the future draft capital as well. I also think they regretted how everything went down. I oh, think they absolutely they re- should. Yeah. yeah. I think I they hope- looked at that and doing, we should never do this again. Yeah. I hope they learn some lessons from that experience that they can apply to this. Because, yeah. yeah I mean, if, like, I think back then, and I, I'm sorry to OKC fans if I'm misremembering this. Please, someone correct me on this. But I, I believe KD and Russ also took slightly sub-max contracts. Or one of them did, at least. And their whole thing back then was like, we want to follow the OKC or the, the San Antonio ethos. And that was their thing, too. Like, we're going to get our stars to take slightly below max deals. So Harden, like the difference between what Harden wanted and what they offered was only like $5 yeah. million. It was, I mean, it's insane that a, a potential dynasty broke up over that amount of money. But Right, and it was pretty obvious to most people that Harden would become an all-star caliber player. What we didn't know what was he was turned into an MVP to the extent that he did. But yeah. I, I think it, it, it didn't come as a shock to a lot of people that, that he became like one of the better players in the league. So right. it was like, so, uh, you should have just stuck with it. Yeah, I just don't, you know, if, if they try to pull that crap with Chet and Chet doesn't take a below max contract, nor should he, I would be very sad for the Thunder and their for yeah. Thunder fans. If, and know, then they'll like, trade oh, for okay. Wemby and you'll be fine. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Okay. God. Yeah, no, but I, like, yeah, I think we're on, I think we're aligned in, in how they should approach this in terms mm-hmm. of they need to sit down have a bunch of meetings to figure out once and for all, here's a list of like 10 names. These are the players that, and and they're ranked. Mm -hmm. These are the players that we want for these specific positions. Mm -hmm. Let's go get them. Like there's no two ways about it. Like 
there we can get them if we want to because we have all the assets in the world <laughs> this is just right. a matter of when do we pull the trigger do we wait until the team is in question are the most desperate like six minutes before the trade deadline <laughs> or <laughs> what do we do here regardless we can offer whatever we want so they're basically in our pocket as is but you're right it's all about identifying the right players yeah all right, Mort, we have some late-breaking news from Sham Sharania and I believe Anthony Slater. Yeah, on yep, The Athletic. Yep. The headline, Warriors' Jonathan Kaminga has lost faith in coach Steve Kerr, colon, sources. Do you think it's six sources? Have they specified? <laughs> no. Uh, well, so they have after... specified, they specified that it's sources close to Kaminga. Okay, so his agent, great. Yeah, so yep, Kaminga... Sat for the final 18 minutes of Thursday's loss to the Denver Nuggets, in which the Warriors blew a giant lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, Kaminga, quote, has lost faith in coach Steve Kerr, and the 2021 lottery pick no longer believes Kerr will allow him to reach his full potential. Sources do yeah. Kaminga tell The Athletic, adding another layer of turbulence to an already complex Warrior season. Quote, Thursday night was the straw that broke the camel's back. One of the sources said. I love how you're doing this with a very theatrical presentation. Love it. Yes. 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 So, I mean, they've, this is not the first time that this has happened where Kaminga has played well. And then Steve mm -hmm. Kerr went back to the veterans late and it backfired on him. Uh, yeah. Um, what do you make of this, Mort? I mean, this is, should we just trade Darvin Ham for Steve Kerr? Is this the answer? Yeah. Yeah, why not? I like that. <laughs> just give it a a, a good old uh, sh uh, coat shake up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, look, even before this, Warriors fans were pretty out on on Kerr. Yeah, they they've been out on Kerr for a while now, and and look, I'm not gonna sit here and criticize a man who's been part of four. Was it four? Three or four. Yeah, I don't and four. I never four, right? Four rings yep. Yep. for the Warriors and, and a guy who's won championships also as a player. Like he Steve Kerr is one of the more influential people who's flown kind of under the radar because he was never a superstar, like in league history. However, yeah. it's also fair to point out that sometimes you will make mistakes, you'll make even egregious mistakes, whoever you are. Um and and it seems like Kerr right now is currently doing that because you yeah. should be investing in in uh, in Jonathan Kuminga. Absolutely. Yeah. Have uh, remember the light years guys used to call him Kumbaya Kerr even when uh, when <laughs> like at the height of the Golden State Warriors dynasty. Now I feel like I, it's the opposite problem where. Yeah. Like, Kumbaya Kerr was derogatory in the sense of, like, Kerr would play too many guys instead of sticking with, you know, the guys who should be clearly in the rotation or, like, leading the rotation. Mm -hmm. He was instead going, like, 10-11 deep most nights. And now it's... <laughs> he's refusing to give the opportunity to some of these young guys, and he keeps going back to this, you know, the same well, and it keeps backfiring on him. Yeah just an interesting change of trajectory for him it's and also it's just the fact that this entire experiment failed 
Yeah, the two timelines. The two timelines. And and look, it didn't fail in the sense that they did get a championship. Right. I mean, in, in, in 2022. Like, but that was still they were still leaning on their veterans at that point yeah. in time. The hope yeah. was that they could make a seamless transition. Right. That that is gone. Yeah. I mean, look, and, and if you're already like James Wiseman is out the door, he's also not looking like someone who's going to have a long NBA career. Um, if you then sour Jonathan Kuminga on your entire organization, you're also not playing Moses Moody where like why he's mm. actually pretty good. You know, you're, you're just sitting there going, what is the upside here? What are you trying to achieve? Like yeah. you're a middle of the road, middle of the pack rather team right now. You're not really that good. You're you're you're, you're supposed to second best player or third best player really in in Clay. He's gone downhill by a lot this year. Mm-hmm. Draymond is well, Draymond, that's that has some problems in and of itself, and he's also getting older. Andrew Wiggins, for some reason, started playing the worst basketball of his entire career. And while he's made certain jumps in in like in getting back to the player he used to be he's certainly not there yet so you're just everything right now is just combustible and and like you're sitting there going what is the path i mean i know that there are a lot of people on twitter who are like toying with the idea of hey trade stephen curry i don't think you should mm-hmm. but no like way. no no i don't think you should but it's funny that he is in fact the one player who has significant trade value this roster like what can you get for clay right now not a lot what can you get for chris paul right now well maybe you can get something you've attached picks with him but as a contract as a player not a lot and the same can be said about wiggins draymond gary payton kevon looney so like you are just you are not in a great place man no i know (laughs) uh i didn't do it because i didn't want Golden State fans to ruin my mentions for a week. But I do find it funny that, you know, when other stars are struggling and carrying too much of a load, we always give them the, when is Portland going to trade Dame? When is Washington going to trade Beal? Free these guys. Hashtag free Beal, free Dame. Are we getting to that point with Steph? Hmm. I think the reason everyone is saying that is is because they want guys to try and win a championship. With Steph right, having right, won right. four, you're you're like, no, you you won yours, it's fine. You can like just you, know. <laughs> you can just go go spend the rest of your career in mediocrity. You're good. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. And like and and then you you can have some issues with that if you want. That's fine. I mean, I'm just saying mm, that that's yeah. I get the mindset behind it. You want someone new to, to test it out. Like Luka Doncic, for example. We're already seeing, like, save Luka, free Luka, right? Yeah. We've, we've yeah. Seen, I mean, and and he hasn't been with the Mavericks for so long. I mean, the guy was drafted in 2018. We're already so, seeing with Wemby. I mean, come on. Like, this right. is just how things are these days. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's a tough situation. And I, I think it's, it is fair to say the Warriors dynasty is over i i just there's always be that slither in the back of your head where it could be like oh you could be wrong i i'm feeling pretty confident now in saying that like clay is not gonna get better he's like 
And, and this the numbers they trip people up, I think, especially Warriors fans who don't know what they're talking about. And I will say there are a lot of quality Golden State followers out there, yeah. like who, who are very, very good at, at at reading like the tea leaves and analyzing the game. But like a lot of people box score watch, and whenever Clay hits, it's like, oh old clay yeah he's like, back <laughs> he's back he had this stretch recently where he was averaging like 26 game 26 points or something and he was shooting yeah. fantastic here's the thing he wasn't great in those games in terms of every other aspect of basketball he was hitting shots sure that's all he did he yeah, wasn't the, defending wasn't playmaking he's sure. so bad now and again it's not his fault it's the injuries Yes, that's well, it. Age, age and injury. And age. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. he's gonna be 34. Oh, on on actually the trade deadline. He's gonna be 34. Yeah, he, can, yeah. he can celebrate his birthday by being sent to Sacramento. That's nice. That would be <laughs> but like he's not gonna get better. Like, no. yeah, okay, even if you found some consistency in his shooting, great. That's that's awesome. But he's not gonna be like the two-way force that he used to be. Draymond, we just that's a question mark. You know, you just well, he's mean, getting he's not, help. Yeah, he's like not back with the team right now. I mean, he's indefinitely. No, he's ramping up, right? Yeah, he is. But yeah, I mean, he's a question yeah. mark insofar as we don't know when he's coming back. And it's not like they were it, it's not like this wound coincided with Draymond leaving. If anything, you know, some of these young guys have started getting more run with yeah. Draymond out, and that helped temporarily stabilize the season for the Warriors. And now, now we got this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I it's, mean it's a bad situation for sure. And yeah, he's not going to get better. Like, let's be real. I mean, I mean, I, I, frankly, I think it just needs to be a meritocracy at this point. Like Steve Kerr has deferred to his veterans for a while. And, you know, I, I think he stuck by these guys because he's seen them pull out mm. of slumps before and he like he knows these guys are battle tested and he can trust these guys in key high leverage situations or so he thinks he can but like as you said this isn't the clay thompson of old this isn't even the draymond of old like you just you really i think you you run the risk of losing the locker room yeah. when the guys who are performing best aren't getting those minutes like you really now more than ever if the young guys are out playing the veterans that you need to be able to go to the veterans and tell them i'm sticking with kaminga tonight he's playing really well and part of being a veteran you know i think it, it seems like clay in particular is really struggling with this aspect of like you know your star has faded you're not in all-star all nba conversations anymore like you you know you're still a good player but you're not what you once were and i think him and draymond in particular really need to make peace with that soon and it seems like you know i i want to like psychoanalyze but it seems like neither of those guys have and as a result kerr is now having to contort his rotations and lineups to kind of placate those guys where it should be like if one of your young teammates is out playing you you should be the first guy off the bench you're like mm. way to go you're killing it keep it up 
Like that's yeah. that's what being a good teammate is. It it I mean I'm sure there is other stuff that went into the Draymond Jordan Poole situation last year, but it, it does just seem like there's tension between the Warriors really Clay and Draymond it seems. And then and I guess you can lump Wiggins in there too, potentially, versus this this young core. So like the two timelines thing might have been dead on arrival just because mm-hmm. the older guys weren't weren't ready to leave their thrones. Like they, they wanted to go down with the ship and unfortunately they are right now. Yeah. It makes it even more frustrating when you actually look at how Kuminka has played this year. It's one thing that he's up and down, yeah. but he has increased like his uh like his floor. Mm-hmm. You know, he if you mm-hmm. go and look at his for for example, if you go to his game log, which I did, I was I was a little bit surprised, but it also fit I, I mean I've watched a lot of games with him this year where he's looked good, but I've also seen enough criticism online from Warriors fans where I'm like, oh okay, then he a lot of the games that I haven't watched must have been awful then. But mm-hmm. then I'm going to the game log now and I'm seeing He's only had, let's see, six games this year where he didn't reach double figures, for example. Mm. Like, that is growth. That is genuine yeah. growth to be able to, every single night, contribute in a certain category. We should also remember, he's only 21, and he yeah. was not exactly given much of a chance to develop in the first two years. So, like, eventually something's got to give. I I think it would be worth uh worth it for Kerr to actually just say, okay, you know what, Jonathan, over the next couple of games, let's see what you can do with 35 minutes. Let's yeah. let's see. I mean, yeah. And and if and even if it's not great minutes, all of them, maybe it's developmental minutes. Maybe it's something where he picks up on something, and goes, okay, fair enough. Let's let's let me take this back to the drawing board. Like it's just I don't understand the yanking in and out of lineups that Kerr does with young players. I, I yeah. just don't. I don't think it's a smart way to conduct a, not a rebuild, but like the yeah, a two-timeline scenario. Let me just mm-hmm. put it that way. Yeah. yeah. And I, I want to be fair to the Warriors as well, like because some people have said the two-timeline thing was never going to work. Like, if they made different picks, you know, if they take Franz, or they take Lamelo instead of Wiseman. Like there's a, or I mean, God, imagine what if they go Halliburton or like traded down for Halliburton <laughs> instead of taking Wiseman or take even Devin Vassell. Like trade down and take Devin Vassell. There, there were options where the two timeline thing. What they have played have though. What yeah, what they fair. have played. I mean, like, I could, could you do. imagine this article being about Tyrese Halliburton? <laughs> oh my God. If it was, yeah, I mean that's a a fair point. What if? Yeah, I, I would hope his talent was so undeniable that you couldn't completely ignore him. Sure, but I we mean, say this now, but we have no idea if Jonathan Kuminka turns into a freaking all star the moment he right? leaves. And also worth pointing out, Moses Moody went fourteen in that draft. Shangun went sixteen. Trey Murphy seventeen. Jalen Johnson twenty. If any of those, you know, again, do they do they play? I don't know, but. Like had Golden State taken any of those three guys instead, 
there's a chance we're talking about this team very differently as well. So Moody hasn't played the last three games. And in the two games he played prior, he played a grand total of little over 15 minutes. <laughs> when, do we, when do we get this article from his agent? Yeah, I'm I'm guessing it's coming. There's a follow up coming. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. Oh man, I uh, I look. If you're if I'm the Warriors right now, I'm I'm getting the sense I've lost the kids. I've lost the yeah. kids. So yeah. let's just move them for Siakam, like a a star, a a veteran star, and let's see if we can salvage this thing. Man, this trade deadline is going to be so interesting because now we're starting to see uh, which teams, it, it, you know, it, it the seller market becomes clearer than the buyer market typically. Or like, yeah, Boston's going to try to buy, but they don't have a ton of stuff to buy with. So it's not going to be mm-hmm. like, you know, they've made their big moves. But like, God, the Lakers and the Warriors both feel primed for a panic trade, a desperation move, whatever you want to call it. Like they're going to, they're both at risk of doing something very, very stupid. And I'm very here for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> it sets up for a very fascinating few weeks for OKC and the rest of the league. And on that note, we will have barring any other future surprise trades. Our next episode will be, on which teams should be sellers at the trade deadline. So get pumped for that as a good place for us to wrap up. So thank you all as always for listening in today, please follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bios to give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes or else podcasts are found on iTunes. Please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews until next time. I'm Brian Taporic, and I was joined as always by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, man. Have a good one.